Thank you, Lord. Father, Father, I thank you that you are not done with the United Kingdom. Father, even in this hour, we, we see the tide is turning. And we're grateful. This nation shall be touched. It shall be awoken to the realities of your goodness and your mercy that is new and fresh day in, day out. Thank you, Lord. And Father, thank you that we're not just going to be a bunch of people who watch to see it happen. We're going to be a part of the people. Those who are in the room, those who are watching online are going to be a part of it, cooperating with your spirit to see the biggest move happen within these shorts. Thank you, Lord. Come on, if you believe that, say thank you, Father, for involving me in your great advancement. Amen. Welcome the person next to you. Greet them in the name of Jesus. Tell them it's good to see them. Tell them you're glad to see them. Praise the Lord. Welcome to everyone who's joining us on live stream. I know there's a bunch of people watching, so we're so grateful that you are. And we want to hear from you. And perhaps next time you hear from us, it's going to be in person. We'd love to shake your hand, connect with you. You know, I'm telling you, now's, now's the time to be close-knit like never before. Can I have a big amen? amen. We, we need each other. And uh, I'm so grateful for this family. It's the biggest honor for us to, to do what we do, pastoring uh, this, this local church. We're three churches. Well, no, we're one church in three locations. Uh, <laughs> and so it's great to have uh, the pastors of uh, Faith Life Pre uh, Preston in the house, pastors Andy and Louise. And uh, awesome, doing a, doing a stellar job in the Northwest. And, uh, and then uh, just over the Pennines, we have uh, uh, pastors, ben we've got Pastor Benny, pastors, one of our uh, churches, pa not, not the Pastor Benny you're thinking of, but Pastor ben this Pastor Benny right here, and Pastor Linda, Linda. and so they passed um, up in Harrogate, and so uh, wonderful things are happening. I had the privilege of going over there just the other night, and wow, it, I'm telling you, the growth is happening, amazing things are taking place. It's awesome to see. I said it's awesome to see. You know, um, if, if you don't, I'm not know it's good to do good. Well, it's good, it's good to weary not and don't grow weary whilst doing good because the key is you shall, that's a strong promise, you shall reap if you do not lose heart. You know, the Bible says, men's hearts will fail them for fear for the things that are coming on the earth. That's what the Bible says. They'll see what's coming and fear will inflict their heart and they will get almost crippled in anxiety because of what's ahead. But do you know what? You will not fall for that spirit of fear. And I'll tell you why. Because you, you know that you know you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. You are a foreigner. You are a stranger on this planet. Amen. So say, I'm, a, I'm an ambassador. 
And so, you know, um, tonight we may be hearing about financial increase, and this is really important in light of what I've just said. Because um, an ambassador is not affected by the nation he's being sent to. So an ambassador brings the level of living from the place he's, he represents to the place he's been sent. So, so the ambassador of, of um, you know, Britain has uh, in, in India, he has a Burlington toilet in his house made in the UK. He gets paid by British pound, with British pounds. He doesn't lower his level of living to the place he's been sent to. He brings the level of living from the place he represents to the place he's been sent. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so think about heaven for a moment. Think about heaven. Are they running out of resources? Is heaven running out? Never. And never shall they run out. And therefore we never shall run out. Why? Because we are ambassadors. And I, I'm just so grateful for, you know, the presence of God because in atmospheres like this where the Word of God is going forth and especially in an atmosphere like this, especially in a service like this that has been prayed over, the Lord is liable to speak to you and give you little instructions. And pay, that has been ringing in my heart for about four months. Watch the little instructions. The little instructions. I remember in my life, you know, just the Lord saying, just do this and do that. The little instructions yielded major fruit. It yields much to obey Him. Little, little instructions. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Father. You know, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, it says, anyone who receives instruction. Who has received instruction this morning? Man, it was good. How many know it's going to get gooder? Gooder and gooder. Gooder. It's getting better and better. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must, man, this is strong, must share all good things with his instructor. Now, no one's compelling you to give, but, you know, the Bible is saying it is a good thing and a right thing and a just thing to, to give. And we're receiving tonight's offering right now. Um, and we're sewn directly into uh, the guest ministers who I'll uh, introduce in a minute. It is a good thing and a right and honorable thing to, to share and give of our substance to those who've imparted uh, spiritual truth and given us instruction. And so that is a joy for us. What an opportunity to participate in that. Who's excited about participating in that? Amen. And giving and giving generously. You know, Paul um, and uh, Scott, you did a great job, man, this morning um, on the offering. Thank you so much, man. There's a, there's a grace on you to talk about this stuff. We so enjoy your ministry. Um, he shared from Philippians, and Philippians chapter 4, 17 says, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be accredited to your account. What may be accredited to your account. Oh, man. So God wants to, he wants to cause your account to flourish. And he's like, look, I'm not going to shy away from the fact that, hey, it's good for you to sow and partner with me in the gospel and support what I'm doing because this is God's thing, not my thing. He called me. I didn't call myself. 
So this is his mission. This is his mandate. And so if you get engaged with, your, with it, well, how, how do you get involved with God's mandate? How do you get God involved? Um, how do you get involved with what God's doing? Well, you honor him with your substance. Amen. And I'm telling you this, this is coming up in my heart. Get God involved with your money. And it will be evident that God got involved with your money. You don't even have to tell anybody, hey, God's got involved with my money. People are about to tell. God's got involved. How? Honor God with your possessions. With your paintings, tapestries. Get God involved. Amen. With your possessions. How? By giving it. And it'll be evident that God's got involved. God wants to increase us. I said, God wants to increase us. And I think for so many, they've been, so many of us have been subconsciously trained not to believe in overflow. If you think about it, when I was in, um, when I was in youth, growing up, you know, if nine people showed up for youth, they ordered two pizzas. If 109 showed up, they ordered two pizzas. Subconsciously training us from a young age, oh, we, we're not into overflow. So they gave you a slice that was as thick as a, uh, you know, um, what do you call those, dental floss <laughs> with toppings on it because there was just not enough to go around. But we stayed within budget. No, God's not stingy, and neither is the Lord. Amen. God, God is not stingy, and neither should we be. Amen. So, man, get your words out, John. Psalms 112 verse 9 says, never be stingy. Tell your neighbor, never be stingy. I know, you know, it's okay to point in these moments in a church service. Tell them, never be stingy. Always, it goes on and says, always generous. Always be generous. And it says, the, gen the, generous, the generous life, those who live generously, the, it says their influence and honor will never be forgotten. Whew. Brother, Brother Hagen was asked a question um, by a, a, a younger minister. What do you look out for? What, what do you look out for when, you, when, when you're picking leaders? And without hesitation, Brother Hagen said, generosity. Because if the generous, they will not quench the Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit will lead you to do generous moves because there's no such thing as a stingy Holy Ghost. Amen. Woo! My, my, my. It's like the meeting that Brother Hagen had, you know. They had an offering and the Holy Ghost was moving and, and uh, you know, people were running around the church and dancing and there was manifestations of the Spirit. And then Brother Hagen heard in his spirit receive another offering. And so they received another offering in the back room, in the green room. A minister came to, to Brother Hagen and said, man, the service was so phenomenal. It was so great. But man, when you took up that second offering, it killed the spirit. Didn't you just sense it? It killed the spirit. And Brother Hagen said, yeah, that's exactly right. It, ki it killed that stingy spirit. So we, we may take this offering, but if that, if that stingy spirit... World is still lingering around. We'll take another one, and we'll take a third. <laughs> now we're, we're generous, and we love to be generous. Amen. Father, I thank you that we get the opportunity. Let's pray to be generous in our giving, and even this moment, this opportunity that we have to sow into uh, these these precious people. 
their ministry, Pastor Gertrude and his, his wife and his family, as we help them and sow into their dream, then you cause our dreams to come to pass. We believe this, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've put on their radar that's ahead. And thank you, Lord, for the things that have yet, yet to be revealed. But it's exciting. We can sense it. Thank you, Lord, for amplifying their ministry and taking them, oh, wow, all over the world. No limits. I pray and believe that they will be well-resourced. Money will never be an issue. Buildings will never be an issue. They'll have surplus. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let's receive tonight's offering. Amen. Man, I was excited to come back to church tonight. He was excited to come back to church. I want to welcome Pastor Isaiah. He's from Chosen Church, a dear friend of mine. <laughs> Lift up your hand, Pastor Isaiah. He's preached here many times. He's a covenant friend of mine. Wonderful, wonderful pastors. Um, man, it's just kindred spirit. And then, of course, we have pastors. What are you guys doing sat back there? Pastor Joshua and Reba and, and the boys. Oh, man, give it up for Pastors Reba and Joshua. Joshua's on the board. Pastor Reba, you know, she's, she's the Rein, female Reinhard Bonnke in India, reaching scores, thousands and thousands of people, preaching all over the world. And so is, of course, Pastor Joshua and great church up there in Keithley. It, God's doing some things in the nations of the earth. Amen. Um, can we find these guys some seats? Are you comfortable there? Making sure you, it's the sandwich effect, you know. The pastor's on the front row, pastor's on the back row, making sure everyone in between gets it. Amen. Thank you. We love you guys. Well, without further ado, I want, I want to give as much time as possible uh, for Pastor Gertchen. Gertchen. <laughs> no, it's getting worse. All right. Pastor, brother. Uh, to come up and bring whatever the Spirit of God has put on his heart. Amen. Can we welcome him as he comes? Hallelujah. So, can I hire you a little bit longer? Because you're the music, right? He's, he flows with you, and he quits as soon as you go. <laughs> it's not going to be an easy night like that. So you, can, you may be seated. This is the best time to be alive. Amen. God is winning. Amen. I mean, we see it in Holland. We see it in the UK. We're going to see it all over the world. It just depends on your perspective, right? But, you know, the ambassadors, they get to hear the news first. And uh, so you're an ambassador of the kingdom. And actually, I mean, there's so much to say, but... But do you know that an ambassador is no longer, is not so much representing the country, he has become the country and um, that he represents. That's why you cannot even give him a parking ticket because if we were to give the ambassador of the UK a parking ticket in, in Holland, we would actually start a war with the UK. So that's why, you know, an ambassador cannot be touched. They are hid with Christ in God. You're an ambassador, you cannot be touched. Because, you know, if the devil were to touch you, he's touching the kingdom. And, uh, but that's, that's just not really. But then, um, you know, um, where did we leave off? Oh, 
let me say this. You know, there, Jesus, because I want to finish where I messed up this morning. I messed up. I messed you up. And it's, it's a miracle you came back. A miracle is something you cannot explain in the natural, right? Oh, you didn't catch that one. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but it's, it's wonderful that you came back. And, uh, but, you know, Jesus spoke the language of the people. So he, he used parables. And he used their language and, and, and their examples. And uh, so we're supposed to do that as well. So we can reach the more people. And, and, and you, do you know what the language of today's society is? As soon there is one magic word. As soon as you say that, everybody believes you. And it is according to science. As soon as you mention science, everybody believes you. And then everybody's saying, well, according to science, and then they go, oh, wow, that's amazing. According to science, if you drink two cups of this tea, then you have a 20% lower risk of this. So everybody starts to drink the tea, and nobody actually goes to the research to find out what it was actually saying, or, you know, if it's, if, if it's really proven or just uh, uh, some kind of statistic. But anyway, so that's why the church will also have to use some kind of science to really reach the people. Part of my calling is to really build a bridge with the world and, and, and to know the language of the world. And that's why sometimes you have people in church have to get used to me delivering the kingdom without going from Scripture to Scripture. But Jesus didn't go from Scripture to Scripture. I always say that Jesus only used Scriptures for two groups of people. And one of them is, is the Pharisees and, and, and the other one um, is the devil. You know? So if you want to be in one of those two groups, then you need scripture. But he used parables for the rest. Just prove from me from the, from the word where Jesus used the scripture to speak to the crowds. He didn't. He just delivered the word and he was the word and he brought the kingdom. But anyway, so um, I'm going to get into a little bit of where I left off this morning. And... Uh, and uh, and just, <laughs> you know, you can take a little break, but don't leave because we're going to get into the meditation and then I really need you, okay? But if you want to continue, I love it. I, I love just this atmosphere that you're bringing. There's an anointing on, on music, right? And, uh, okay, so here we go with a little, with a little um, science. So I was saying this morning that your brain gets into different brain waves. And um, so the highest brain wave, so basically, you know, the frequency is really high. That's what we call gamma. And then there is the next one, um, which is beta. And then we have, no, yeah, then we have alpha. And then we have theta, I believe. And according to science, so this is all really true because science has proven it. But... <laughs> But, and then we get into Delta. So what they say, Delta, there is no awareness of time when you get into this level of brain. So that's really low brain activity. Theta is a little bit more brain activity. Alpha is more brain activity. Beta is more brain activity. So you understand it, it gets more intense. But there's another interesting thing. I'm not going to go into all the details, but the ages of zero between 12 zero and 12 months or let's say i believe it's 24 months according to science 
two years and six years, six years and 12 years, 12 years and up. When a child is born, it only has a brain activity in Delta brainwave. You are very impressionable, you are programmable, and you are have no judgment, you're not critical, you just smile at the people, you enjoy life. And uh, so this is um, a wonderful stage for you to learn. And then when you get to Theta, when you're, when you're two to six, you're still very impressionable. And um, that's why the Bible says, you know, it's so important to be good to the children because theirs is the kingdom of God. Because this is when children are being programmed. This is actually when the programming happens. This is when we traumatize our children. This is when we make them happy. This is when we make them feel loved. A lot of young uh, parents don't care about, you know, especially fathers go like, well, you know, when my son gets into alpha state or beta state, now what they're saying, when they get older, then I'll go play football with them. Then I'll be their father. No, they need approval when they're in these programmable uh, phases. And, uh, but anyway, so you understand when you're in this beta state, you, um, you analyze, you uh, make decisions, but you also criticize and you uh, have a lot of judgment, judgment about yourself and judgment about other people. So we need to leave this state in order for us to reach our subconscious mind and to renew the spirit of our mind. This can happen when we praise God, when we worship God. This can happen when we relax, when we just sit in the presence of God. But it won't happen if we're always just on the go and just doing our confessions and thinking if we hit the 1,000 time uh, uh, repeat button that God says, Hey, he's quoted the scripture 1,000 times. Let's go for this. And, uh, and uh, since, you know... Um, no, well, let's just stick with this. Okay, so because this morning you couldn't follow where I was going, so let me try to stay, stick to the plan. So I told you that be still and know starts with be still, rapa, let go. It literally says, you know, like instead of just being strong and having your hands ready for war, let your hands become weak. That's what the word also means. Relax and enter into a state where God can speak to you instead of you judging the situation yourself. When you uh, listen to New Age meditations, which of course you don't do, but I did for research purpose, <laughs> you will always hear them say, as soon as you start to meditate, stop judging. Don't judge yourself, don't judge anything, just observe. And there's nothing wrong with this when you understand that the Bible says that when you judge, you know, it says in, in, in Luke 6, we need to, if we let go, then we need to let go of our judgment. And then we enter into the state, the, 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 the arena where God can really speak to us. We are the ones that are always criticizing ourselves. We're criticizing other people. We just need to stop that process. And, um, um, but anyway, um, so I want to take you through this process. And then there are three steps that 
God showed me. And I mean, since you know the word, I'm not even going to go into all the details of, of meditation through the word. We know Joshua 1. We know Psalms 1 where it says, you know, meditate in the word day and night. You know that it says, um, meditate on these things, whatsoever things are good and lovely and of good report and have virtue and praise and, you know, all the things. So we know we need to set our minds and we need to choose to uh, let the right thoughts come into our thinking. And, uh, but anyway, so meditation is something we need to do. Sometimes I think about, you know, when Peter went up, he, he, he fell into a trance, the Bible says. And uh, when is the last time you fell into a trance? So, you know, we have gone so far away from being spiritual and we've replaced it with our techniques. So it's time for you to say, well, about the third hour, I went into, onto the roof and I fell into a trance. Yeah, that, I mean, I'd love to hear that, but now we say, oh, you know, but a trance actually starts to happen at theta level. That's when you are opening yourself to visions. So that's where, where, where science and the Bible come together and where we've just totally missed it because we don't want to be too far out. Well, we do want to be far out. Because, you know, the Bible says that you can enter the sheepfold not through the door, but climbing in. So you enter the spiritual realm, but not through the door Jesus, but through other means, like some kind of spiritual uh, rituals. So there's people entering the spiritual realm without the proper guide and the only guide and the only opening and the only door and the only safe way is by entering in through Jesus. But it's very frustrating to see other people getting the benefits of all this, all this that the spiritual realm has to offer. And we as Christians just doing our little rituals and not accessing the power that is available. And don't get me wrong, we don't need to envy those people that get into the spiritual realm without Jesus because they are being deceived. They get little satisfaction, but they never actually reach salvation. And, uh, but, you know, so I just want to make sure you understand that I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I, I understand what the, Bible, what the Bible says. So the first step is to relax and enter into another state. So let me just say, I will call it Rapa. The first stage, first step is to do. Uh, and then the second step is very important. Then you connect with God. Because this is where the new age has uh, replaced God with the universe. You know, like, okay, just realize that we have a benevolent universe. That's what they say. Well, we don't have a benevolent universe. We have a benevolent creator of the universe and we're supposed to connect with him. And uh, so when you're in this relaxed state, the next step is just to invite the Holy Spirit and to be grateful toward Jesus and to make sure that you understand the love and compassion of your heavenly father. You know that since programming takes place at these early ages, most of us have been programmed by our, our natural fathers and they do not even come close to the love of the Heavenly Father, right? So we need reprogramming. Every day when I enter into my meditation, I take time to get rid of all the residue 
of condemnation, of, of, of criticism. Of, I just hear the words of a loving father being so excited about me being alive. I reprogram that into my subconsciousness. If I tell you about my father, I, my father was not like uh, Pastor Joel's father who was excited when he got home drunk. I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> no, he was not excited. But he trusted him. I mean, and uh, so, you know, we can have a good father, but that doesn't even come close. We still need to make sure we cleanse ourselves daily from any inferiority and shame and condemnation that keeps coming. And, uh, and then the third step is very easy. Then we need to let the word do the work. Oh, this, this is the real uh, exciting part about meditation because you find out you don't need to do anything. You just need to sow the word. And the Bible says you go to bed and you get up and the word produces fruit by itself. You don't even know how. We think we need we need to find out how to produce our healing, how to manifest our prosperity, how to get our breakthrough. No, we don't. We just need to let the Word be sown into, into our spirits. And it comes up. One day you just wake up and you go like, man, my life is exciting. And, and I mean, there's little previews of, of, of the manifestation of what I'm sowing into my heart. Because, you know, that's why Pastor Joel gets a call from the executive office of Manchester City uh, saying, hey, we have tickets. Well, that's just because that's the desire of our hearts. That's something I meditate on. And the fruit just causes somebody at the executive office of the enemy's camp to call Pastor Joel. <laughs> that must be proof that meditation is the key. Meditation is not the key. The Word of God is the key. So if you take, if you understand the science and you go just through this simple, I mean, of course, this is not like a ritual. It's just helping you to understand, okay, I need to leave this judgmental state, this analytical state, this stage where I try to make sense of everything and want to understand why God is doing what. And I go to the next level where I connect with God. I feel His love, His presence. I'm, I'm filled with gratitude. I, you know, actually my level of awareness comes to the place where I sense His presence. And then I let the Word just work in my spirit. Just like Kenneth Hagin said, I meditate on it, I chew on it, I think about it, until it just somehow drops into my spirit. And I sense this joy. I sense this deeper peace. And I know, oh, by His stripes I am healed. It's no longer in my left brain. It just popped to my right brain. It fell down to my heart it is in my spirit now and it is producing my healing and i don't need to do anything i can just enjoy my life because the word is working are you ready to try this stuff so what i want to do is just i want to take a couple of minutes and i want to do this exercise just to help you to launch you into a practice that is forgotten by the church so it might feel a little strange but you're the first in this entire nation that's going to go through this, this, this experiment. God has always used me for his experiments. And I go, look, God, why did you choose me? But anyway, okay, so what we're going to do is um, I prefer um, to close my eyes because it helps me to disconnect from the world, to disconnect from everything that's going on around. And the Bible says when you pray, 
you know, we have always seen prayer as something, as an activity where we go to God, we approach the throne, and we ask Him to do certain things. But God has a different kind of prayer where we do not come to hit the throne, but where He visits us. Remember the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and He wants to enter, He wants to have communion with you. Back in those days, they knew what it was to have a contemplative prayer. We don't have contemplative prayer anymore. The only thing we have is We enter into your presence, Lord, and we obtain by faith. I've got it! No, you ain't got nothing. You just try to prove your faith. But when the word drops into your spirit, you go like, I got it. Nobody can convince me otherwise. I got it. I can go to the doctor and whatever the report says, I know I got it. When I put that tulip bulb in, in, my, in my backyard, I'm not going to wonder if, if one day there will be a tulip. It's just a matter of waiting and, and trusting the natural dunamis power of my backyard. And one day there will be a beautiful tulip. Just like the one on the picture, the picture on, on, on the package with the tulip. So and that's where visualization comes in. Isn't it exciting? Mm, but this is it. We're going to go into business. So this is just the last, last bit you get. I mean, I can go on for hours about this topic because this has saved my life. This has changed our, 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 our situation. When we were, I mean, it was so pitch dark in our lives. The only thing we could do was at 4 at, four o'clock at night or 12 at noon or any time of the day, we just went into meditation. We just took the word or we took the meditation app, which is just a tool. I mean, I'm not saying go meditate by and, and, and buy the, the meditation app because that's the only way to salvation. No, the meditation app is just something because there's a passion in us to make it practical for you. And I always, in all the meditations, we follow these steps. We always connect with God. I always make it a, a, a plan to guide you in, the, in, 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 in relaxing, connecting, and letting the Word do the work. So let's, you're ready to do this. And it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, trust me, I like to run around in church. I like to shout in church. I like to do all the crazy stuff in church. But recently, God said, hey, just be faithful. This is not, if you were to tell me 10 years ago, or five years ago, you're going to be known for, the, you're going to be known for biblical meditations. I would have laughed at you. I would have said, well, one thing I know for certain, that's never going to happen. But, uh, but hey, God's got different plans. So if you want to, if you want to participate in this powerful exercise and practice, then just Simply close your eyes and, uh, and relax. And um, we're going to start with the wrap-up phase. So just check your body. Is there any tension anywhere? You know, sometimes you just, if you release your jaws, your jaw, you just go, man, what a tension in my jaw or in my neck. Or let your shoulders just go. Or just see tension in your stomach just see it leave your body hallelujah so just do a quick body scan and just see if there's any tension you're you're becoming aware of 
because stress and anxiety has a tendency of getting stuck somewhere in your body. Hallelujah. You know, it's always good to to bring your attention to your breathing because that's how God started the human race. He breathed his he breathed his breath into Adam. So your breath is very sacred. So just take a moment and observe your breathing. Just let it be natural. You know there's a lot of emphasis on deep breathing. I personally see that science and the Bible do not focus on deep breathing. Just breathe normally. by focusing on breathing you become aware of what's living on the inside of you you're you're taking away your awareness of the things that go on around you and I can teach you a lot about breathing but for now it's okay to just observe your breath then take a moment to become aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. There's a brand new man on the inside of you. Hallelujah. And take a moment to, without words, on the inside, just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the Word of God to you in a new and fresh way. Let's take a moment to connect with your Heavenly Father and just feel His approval. Maybe it takes you a little while because you say, well, I should have been nicer, I should have done this, I failed there, I missed it there, but God has none of these thoughts. He's only excited about you. He's pleased with you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. Just let those thoughts Try to let your spiritual ear hear the voice of the Father telling you, my son, my daughter, I like you. I like your personality. I like the way you do your life. Hallelujah. take a moment to just thank Jesus that he paid the price so you can connect with the Father. Okay, I'm going to take a scripture. I'm going to take Ephesians 2 verse 10 where it says, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Gonna break it down in little chunks. So just start to meditate on I am his workmanship. I am his masterpiece. 
this truth is gonna reach your heart you will never be the same just think about somebody that you think is very brilliant well you're equally brilliant in your own way you are his masterpiece I am his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus when you became born again there was this whole new creation that came alive on the inside of you it was not a small little new creation it was a full-blown glorious new creation you were created for good works there's a purpose you were created for a specific purpose that God prepared beforehand just meditate on the fact that everything that you need to accomplish in life is already prepared beforehand God already finished those works and then the last part of this scripture says that you should walk in the works that God prepared before you now take a moment and just get the feeling of walking through the works that God has prepared for you sweatless effortless Tell yourself, I just need to walk in the works that He prepared before me. I'm gonna let you chew on that for a minute, just so you can set your mind and keep coming back to this truth. The works He prepared for me, I just need to walk in those works. I don't need to do the works, I just need to walk in the works. Like Adam walked in the Garden of Eden, I'm gonna walk in the works that He designed me to do. back to reality now I know if you didn't get a good night rest this is what you come to church for just to get an extra nap we just went through the exercise of course you need a lot more time but this is good stuff and we I can just sense some people going like because you're so programmed to contribute to the process but it is he who started a good work in you and he will perform it and he will make it complete so just make sure that you understand there's two types of prayer entering to the into the throne room and inviting him to come into your life sitting at the feet of Jesus that's where life starts we keep preaching we need to be like Mary 
we don't know how. Well, I'm telling you, when I was too sick to walk, when I was just devastated, when my whole life, we, we call it the bottom fell out. I just took 20 minutes. I have a chair where I can just comfortably just lay the rest and and my life changes every time I take time. God always visits me. His word always works in me. And he never lets me down. And I can just see my life changing because I'm no longer putting in all the effort. I'm allowing him to put in the effort. Did anybody get blessed by this exercise? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's get into financial freedom, okay? So you're really, I'm sorry you couldn't participate in the exercise, but uh, is it possible to just change the, the other side so we can do some, some normal stuff? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, um, glory to God. Are you excited to be here? Are you ready for part two? This is... Uh, we're going to make sure you don't forget this, this session. Hallelujah. There's a special anointing on your, your sons. Is that your son? Do you have more children? Are they younger, older? So he's got the privilege to come with you. With you. Well, God just said to me, and it, I mean, it just dropped in my spirit, and there is no condemnation here, so I hope I can deliver it the right way, but... Your focus doesn't have to be on training him to become the son that you want him to be. Your focus should be on, on being the parent that he needs. Because, you know, like, he will be trained by the Lord. And you just need to give him all the grace that he needs. Because there is something very, very special about his programming in his first years. He just knows that he's loved. And just give him space to exercise because you know you can learn from the way he feels loved and then um, I don't know it's sometimes we try to make our children behave and I think God is just enjoying our children and we're going like well you gotta do this or that and um, they will you know like our children slept in church we made beds in church just like this is what happens to ch church children and God will eventually make up for them. Because, you know, like, it was uh, last year, we, we, we went to Manchester. Um, we were not invited. <laughs> we just came because we love Manchester. We went to Manchester United to see Ronaldo play, but Ronaldo refused to play. And then we went to Manchester City to see Holland play, but Holland refused to play. And uh, then I knew it was time for uh, recompense. Yeah, and... Uh, so we went to see, um, or we actually just planned to come because pastors are invited us. And then it turned out that City was playing Liverpool and, and, and my uh, spirit produced through the words, produced three tickets. I don't know why. Next time I'll produce four tickets. <laughs> so, oh, you don't even want to, you didn't even want to, so I understand why. Yeah, it would have been a waste on you, yeah. And... Um, and, uh, and we saw Holland score right in front of our eyes, and it was definitely the, 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 the reward for being, being, a, being faithful in the things of God. And uh, <laughs> you laugh, but I'm serious. 
And uh, let's go to Luke chapter 19. Like always, I have no clue what we're going to do. So it's going to be awesome. And, uh, but we're going to, I mean, there's an anointing on my life to change your financial status. And that will happen tonight. If you say, well, my financial status is okay. <clears throat> well, let me ask you, I always ask, if I can, if I can uh, chop off your leg, uh, would you allow me to do th so, anybody? But what if I gave you 10 pounds? Oh, here's one. <laughs> 10 pounds. Anybody for 10 pounds? Is there anybody that says, for 1 million uh, pounds, you can have my leg? No, uh, only one, only one, only one. Yeah. But you just have a small leg. No. But your parents won't allow it. So, yeah. So, you, anyway. Okay, so, um, you've just proven to be a millionaire. Because your leg to you is already worth a million uh, euros or pounds. And uh, so, we underestimate the value that we have. And you know that Jesus is the value that you have, right? And uh, there's, there's an important word that I want you to remember, and it's called uh, talent. What is a talent? Because all you scholars know it's, it's a measure of weight, right? So in the Bible, uh, the Bible talks about talents. But the interesting thing is nowadays we don't use it as a measure of weight. We use it to uh, express somebody's gift. But actually... Uh, it has become a currency, so it has, it has a certain value. And isn't it interesting that we understand, even the world understands, that your talent is worth something? But your talent is a gift given by God, and it has a certain value attached to it. If you know how to position your talent, then you will produce wealth. And God has given you, the, there's nobody that argues your talent is a gift by God. You know, today Garnacho scored a beautiful goal. And I don't know how much he gets paid. But he gets a lot of money. Why does he get a lot of money? Is it because he's so disciplined? Is it because he's so well behaved? <laughs> no. It's because he's got a talent. So do you understand the talent? Another word for a talent is a gift. And another word is uh, God has graced you with a talent, right? So grace is something that is involved, and there's a grace on your life. Do we understand that your value has very little to do with your effort and everything to do with the talent that God has given you? And the only thing we need to do is we need to understand our talent. First of all, we need to recognize our talent. If you recognize your talent, you will see your potential. And then you need to develop your talent, because if you develop your talent, you will gain uh, confidence. If you don't develop your talent, then you can always be a little uncertain. And then the third thing is, you need to position your talent so that you understand the value of your talent. So if you're very talented in, Let's say you're a Bible teacher and you're very talented in teaching the Bible, but you don't position it. You never say, I'm a Bible teacher. You never uh, do anything with it. Then, you know, nobody will discover your talent. And here is the hardest thing. So we understand we need to discover our talent. We need to develop our talent. We need to position our talent. 
And by the way, you need to position it well. Because if you have, um, what is, um, there's so many of these stories that, uh, even the, the story about, uh, that was shared this morning about the, the mosaic that was not appreciated. Uh, you know, there's many of those stories about somebody taking a watch to the pawn shop and they offer like 10 pounds and then they go to the pre-owned Rolex shop and they offer uh, 16,000 pounds. So some, if you don't position your gift in the right place, it is not appreciated. And go where you're celebrated and don't go where you're tolerated. But sometimes we just continue to press in because you go like, you got to recognize my gift. I have come to find out that being um, not appreciated, not valued, is the greatest gift possible because it helps me to move on. It helps me to just say, hey, I'm just going to go somewhere else where it is being appreciated. So, and then the, the fourth thing is to promote your gift. Let's say if I had written a book and I say, uh, guys, I've written a book. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to buy it. Uh, I, you know, it's pretty lousy. There's a lot of books that are way better than this book. And it's overpriced. But hey, um, you know, uh, I need some money. So maybe you want to buy it. You know, what I'm doing is I have not understood that God has given me a talent. Either I should not have written the book because I'm not an, I have not been gifted with, the, 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 with authorship. Or... I should just say, glory to God, I have this awesome book. God just gave me a revelation. He helped me to write this book. You should buy it because it's going to change your life. And if you don't buy it, you're going to miss out on this, this, this. You know you need to always sell by telling people what they miss if they don't do business with you, right? And, um, and uh, so, anyway, that's, that's common sense, but it's also biblical. It's also biblical to first address the pain and say, if, if you're suffering from this, 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 then you need to buy the book and then you will be, um, you know, you will find your answers. Because Jesus also started with the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come. So he mentions the pain first, he's got their attention, and then he addresses his solution. I have come to give you life and abundance. And the abundance will flow when we bring our life in alignment with the design that God has given us. When we know how to handle our talent. But a talent is a weight. And it's heavy. And if you don't know how to carry your talent, it will become a burden. So you need to really know how to position your talent, develop your talent, promote your talent. So you can benefit from your talent. So your talent will bring you in, in the life you desire. Instead of somebody else taking advantage of your talent and just exploiting you. And, and making lots of money because they recognize your talent, but you have not recognized your talent. Anybody here? I mean, if you've just heard this, it's gonna, it would change your life if you apply it. Instead of just making notes and saying that was an awesome sermon. You need to go home and you need to write down your talents and make sure that you have a plan. What am I going to do with these talents? How am I going to develop them, position them and promote them? How am I going to build a team around it? And um, so, I, I, I probably said you need to go to the scripture, right? I told the pastor, you know, like for me, scriptures, because I have done so much coaching and teaching in the secular arena. Now God called me, I think it's about three years ago. He said, you know, I want you to do the same thing, but now do it in, 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 uh, in the kingdom. So 
Now I need to make sure I quote enough scriptures so I don't lose the crowd. And uh, Luke 19 verse 9 says, Jesus came to the house of Zacchaeus and um, he said, This day, in verse 9, salvation has come to this house, for as much as he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, in verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Can you say that? Okay, so what was he referring to? Because he went to Zacchaeus. For time's sake, we're not going to go into this story. But he climbed in the tree and, you know, the whole story. And then Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give away all, you know, all the people I scammed and the tax that I overcharged. And, and, um, and, and then Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. The word house is oikos. Salvation has come to this family, to this house. And um, he was referring to that. He was referring to the house. And do you know what the Greek word is for system? It is nomos. So the word oikonomos means, oikos nomos means, it is the system of this household where we get our word economy. So he was saying, today, the economy of Zacchaeus has been saved. God wants to save your economy. He wants to save your, the finances of your house. He wants to save the health care system in your house. He wants to save how everything operates in your house, the economy of your house. He wants that to be redeemed. God, Jesus did not come to, you know, sometimes we think he, he comes to bring the kingdom in a sense that he's just trying to get some people to like him and go to heaven. No, he's coming to save that which was lost. He's coming to redeem the whole system. He wants to, you know, uh, he wants to redeem uh, the UK in a sense that things operate the way they're supposed to work. Are you ever frustrated with the healthcare system in the UK? Are you ever frustrated with public transportation in the UK? Are you ever frustrated with the economy? Are you ever frustrated with, you know, how, how LGBTQ is promoted in the media? Are you ever frustrated with any, anything? And then Jesus did not come to just say, well, come to church and just close your eyes to everything that's happening in society. Just be happy in church and get prepared to be taken away. No, he's saying, I want you to change that because I have sent you as an ambassador to bring salvation into every system. You know, saving souls is very important. But saving uh, systems is your assignment. You know, like if you look at the persecution on somebody's life, you, you can tell. Is he saving souls or is he saving systems? And uh, so, but anyway, and he wants you to build a system that is, that is glorifying him. And uh, let's, let's um, I'm not going to go into this because you're scholars, you're well taught, so I'm going to take advantage of it. But do you remember there's a story about uh, Jesus giving um, pounds? I think Jesus had a British system then, right? He gave pounds to, to ten servants. And then what did the servants do? They had to do business with the pounds, right? We can actually go to um, um, verse 13. Look, 
It's already there. How did you know? He called the ten servants. It's, I mean, this is a prophetic screen. It just knows the scripture before I, I gave the script. And he, he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Do you have any other translation? Do you have like the NIV? Is, I mean, is that like still allowed in this house, NIV? <laughs> you, you never know, you know. A pastor that <clears throat> tells his congregation not to go to certain football matches can also say, don't. <laughs> but anyway, do you have the NIV? NIV, New International Version. Ever heard of it? <laughs> I mean, they're panicking up there. They go, no, 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 this is heresy. Okay, forget it. Forget it. I'll read it to you. And you can, you know, go to your grandma and ask her, do you have an NIV translation? It's one of those red, uh, you know, the ones that you used to steal from the hotel room. And, um, but anyway, <laughs> it's always good to steal a Bible. If you steal anything, steal a Bible, right? And uh, so he called his servants and then he said in the NIV, Jesus said, put this money to work. I like occupy until I come, but also like put this money to work. But basically what it's saying, you know, make sure you do something with the talents I've given you. Make sure you change society. Make sure you have an impact. Make sure your business... You know, there's so many people that believe that their business, the only purpose of their business is to provide for the ministry. But I'm telling you, your business is a ministry. So don't get me wrong, it's not a ministry like, okay, you know, we were taught in church that uh, my business is a ministry, so let's start with a prayer meeting. No, you don't start with a prayer meeting, unless God really leads you to do that. I mean, I don't want to mess with you more than, than I've already done. But in general, I, am a, I, uh, I really am I'm, um, promoting businesses to hire as many as heathens as you can. Because usually, you know, we start a business and we hire everybody in church because we feel like the Lord, you know, or a pastor says, you know, that's a mighty anointing on your life and you're a business owner. You go, like, oh, I want that anointing. <laughs> so you come work for me. What's your talent? So, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very good in, in teaching and, and, and inspiring people. Oh, well, I need an accountant, so come. <laughs> and then he messes up the accountancy department. And you wonder why. Well, he was not anointed to do that. So you just hire the best. And I even have scripture for that, that heathens are supposed to work for you. And, uh, but that's, that's a whole different ballgame. Because, you know, the most influence you will ever have is on those that work for you. You can really be a blessing to them. You can impact their lives. You can care for them and help them and show them Christ. And if they're already all Christians, you know, what fun is it to go to work? So, um, but anyway, so there's pounds, but there's another story very similar where he divided talents. There was one guy with one talent, one with two talents, and one with, with five talents. And, uh, and they had to multiply. One of the things is that the guy with the one talent, he, he buried it in the ground. And then Jesus said, you know, you fool, and give the one talent to the one that had ten talents because, you know, he was faithful. One of the things that that story tells you, that parable tells you, is that heaven rewards risk. Heaven is not like, oh, 
get a safe job so I can provide for you. No, heaven loves it when you take risks, because then you need to rely on, on, on heaven's resources, right? But here's the thing that I want you to, 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 to grasp. The ones, the, the story about the talents, when they multiplied their talents, does anybody know what the reward was? Well done, thy the good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord, you know, go celebrate. So if you use your talents, you will end up having a lot of joy and just having a blast on earth and in heaven. What happened to the ones that had to multiply the pounds? Anybody know? They were given cities. They were given authority. So if you use your talent, God will bring you into a life full of joy. But if you know how to multiply money, God can entrust you with authority. So here are the steps. In order for you to climb into uh, the economy of heaven, the lowest level is trading energy for money. You know, like in the past when uh, I needed the porch to be, uh, you know, with one of those high pressure, um, what do you call those things? whatever yes then um, <laughs> I just asked my son to do it and he did and I you know we gave him 10 euros or 5 euros or we tried to do it for 2 euros whatever and uh, <laughs> what we actually did and what he did he traded energy for money he didn't say well it takes me so you know it takes me one and a half hours I'm um, I think that if my leg is worth a million then one of my one and one and a half hours I need at least 15 euros no he was not at that level he just said okay just give me five euros I'll do it and then um, okay so the next level is changing trading time for money and this is what most of you guys just do you go like hey I work from nine to five including traffic jams, that is in the UK from 4 to 7. And uh, this is the time, and I get just enough to uh, make ends meet. But there's a higher level, and that's when you learn to um, get some skills, go to school, and say, hey, but I'm, I'm skilled now, I'm a skilled laborer, so you need to give me more money, which is good. I mean, all these steps are good, right? The Father is very pleased with you, so don't get any condemnation. We're just, uh, I have found that many people try to uh, be at a higher level than where they are actually at, and they try to be at this higher level their, their entire life, and they never start anywhere. Just start wherever you are. Don't think, well, you know, this pastor, he's already at this level. I want to be at that level. Well, you're not. So just start wherever, start with energy for, but you know, just do whatever you need to do to get at least some money. And then the next level would be to trade your talent. So what is the difference between skills and talent? Skill is something you can learn at school. How many of you, I'm not going to really ask, but there's many of you that learned a skill that was not in line with your talent. It's just because your parents said, go do this education or because... Uh, a mentor at school said this would be good for you but so you did now you're a nurse <laughs> that's not a word of knowledge it's just <laughs> s 
statistics, there's always a nurse. <laughs> and, uh, but it can also be that, you know, you're talented to be a nurse, and then you're going to go to the next level. So now you can be self-employed, and because you're such a good nurse, they will hire you, and you make a lot more money than when you were just trading time and skills for money. You're going to go to the level of talent. But if you really use your talent, you can come up with a concept. And you're going to change the con, or you're going to uh, swap the concept for, you know, like we always said, Kentucky Fried Chicken. There's this guy that, that finally, when he was 67, found out that he was really good at frying chicken. That he had a, a talent for, I don't, he had a, a gas station, I believe. So that was his skill. And then he found out when he was about to retire, hey, I'm good at frying chicken. Anybody else is good at frying chicken? <laughs> and then he took it to the next level. He made a concept of frying chicken that is now sold all around the world. So the next step would be to have a concept that is going to make you money. This is occupy until I come. And there's one level higher than that. Anybody? Just because you're in the flow and you've been meditating, so you say, you're... You say, oh, I'm in the better state. <laughs> and, uh, well, the, that's the highest level is the pound level. Remember, go use your pounds and you will be given authority over cities. So that's just making money with money. The cool thing is, if you try to, sw if you try to skip one of these steps, you go, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make money with money. Somehow it never works. Because, you know, you're just going too fast. You didn't develop the mindset. You don't have the character. You didn't know how to hear from God. And now, you know, like when you're, when you're uh, uh, selling orange juice on the streets, uh, that's a different ballgame than just buying some real estate and getting a loan. And you say, well, you know, God said money with money. And, well, just go step by step. There's actually... Um, uh, model that I always use. The first uh, coaching company that I had was called Letter of Success. And uh, it is taken from Jacob's letter. Remember that Jacob saw a letter going into heaven? And uh, that's a very exciting concept. It's just angels going up and down and, 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 and Jacob presenting his gift in the house of the Lord. And then revelation like the, the pastor was saying this morning, witty inventions coming down from heaven. And I mean, it's an exciting system. There's actually angels climbing up and down, giving you business ideas and connections and, and everything you need. And uh, so when you climb this ladder of financial freedom, you start by being totally dependent. And um, dependent. So either you're um, getting your parents' money, <laughs> or uh, you're on welfare or some other. And I mean, there's nothing wrong that that's just a starting position. And then, of course, you can get, uh, you can start trading energy or time or skill. You can become an employee. And so you're climbing the ladder of financial independence. And then the next step would be to be self-employed. And um, freelance. And so now you're at the level where you're basically trading time and talent for money. And uh, I mean, if, if you put in 80 hours a week, you can send invoices for 80 hours a week. But 
you, you know, you're not at the level of having a concept working for you. So that would be the next step, is to be a business owner. I mean, it's as simple as, as I think the only problem is we don't hear this enough in church. And uh, because when we hear in, in a church, we don't have to go anywhere. And we just know, like, hey, this is, this, is as, as, this is the way that God wants to give me the harvest. The Bible says that you sow the word into your heart. You go to bed day and night, and then you see the, 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 the harvest come up, and you put in the sickle. But when you study that scripture somewhere in Mark 4, it actually doesn't say you put in the sickle, but you send out laborers to put in the sickle. So you need to learn how to get the harvest to come in. It is awesome when you sow like 100 pounds today and you walk out of church and somebody gives you 200 pounds. And you go, yes, I'm, I've learned sowing and reaping. No, you haven't. You've just learned to sow and God was... Had, had, had compassion with you and he just wanted you to be encouraged and somebody else was faithful and so you see that you know when you give somebody else will give to you but you have not developed the system of the economy of heaven basically we're stuck in church on uh on luke 6 36 give him and it will be given back to you good measure pressed down shaking together will man give into your bosom that's wonderful but that's not the economy of heaven and uh, I know that might be shocking to you, but sometimes we need a little shocking because we need to move to the place where uh, we, we occupy until it comes. We, we, we make money with money. We put the money to work. I mean, we all love Deuteronomy 8.18, for it is him who has given you power to generate wealth, to establish his, 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 gov his government, his covenant. Okay, so... Let's say if you want to generate wealth, why do you want to generate wealth? Anybody, do you have a good justification for generating wealth? Anybody? To be a blessing, finance the kingdom, to buy a house, <laughs> to afford a wife. <laughs> Distribute for the kingdom. Money is power. Yeah, we're getting there. Money is power, yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, the reason you want to see the, 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 the wealth come into your life is because that's what glorifies God. Because when you come to your full potential, then you're serving the king with your talent. And the Bible... You know, there's this story, maybe you don't, maybe, you know, maybe I'm going a little bit too, um, uh, maybe I'm taking a shortcut here. But remember, there is, um, Herod has um, this, this girl dance before him, and then he says to the girl, man, this was an awesome dance. So I guess this girl had a talent for dancing. And what did Herod say? Ask whatever you want up to half of my kingdom. That's the heart of a king. When the king sees you use your talent the way you're supposed to use it, the king says, tell me what you want. Yeah, your talent is to please the king. I'm telling you, we've been deceived. I don't know why, but I feel this so strongly. And I'm pretty excited that this can be 
taught in this, on this platform. We've been deceived in teaching people you can prosper if you finance the kingdom. You know why? Because it's the wrong focus. The focus should be on glorifying the king. And then a byproduct is, of course you're going to finance the kingdom. I mean, you're so excited about the king being a blessing to you. And the king gives you generously. You know, the Bible says, uh, don't be afraid because it is, the, the father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Because your value exceeds that of many uh, sparrows, right? I mean, I haven't read the English Bible. I repent. I will start to read the English Bible. I mean, <laughs> I was happy the Dutch Bible did it for me, but now I'm, you know, I need to use my talent for languages and get back in the English Bible so I can quote them easier. But it is sparrows, right? Or is it two? Is it sparrows? No, that's. Is it another bird? Whatever. <laughs> sparrows is good enough. And you know, you get you get a discount, right? Because two sparrows were sold for this, and then five sparrows were sold for that. So there's, you know, there's the the the, 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 the interesting thing about getting a, a, a discount when you buy more sparrows. But anyway, Jesus was saying, you know, be of good cheer, don't be afraid. The Father loves you so much, He wants to give you the kingdom because your value exceeds that of many sparrows. I always say, you know, God took care of Solomon uh, at this level, right? I mean, let's say this is, this is how rich Solomon, Solomon was, the king. But then he says in, in Matthew 6, that he, he dresses the, the lilies of the field even more uh, glorious than, than Solomon. So that, that must be here. And then he wants to even dress you above that level. So you must be a, at this level. So just look at the wealth of the king. Uh, and then just, you know, make the equation and see, okay, this is how God wants me to live. This is the level that he wants for me. And then it's very easy to be a blessing to the kingdom. So... Don't get me wrong. I don't know why I felt like I needed to, to take that uh, false religious mindset up. But it's just like, if, you, if your only purpose is to finance the kingdom, you're serving mammon. Instead of focusing on being who God made you to be. On impacting society. On fulfilling your assignment. Because that means you're no longer... Uh, you know, this is where ministry is, and now you are just doing this, this thing to help finance the kingdom and maybe, you know, buy a Mercedes and do some other uh, illegal worldly stuff. No, God wants you to understand that your business, your economy, the, the economy that he came to save is just as important as the church. The church is just there to serve you, to get you into your full potential. Remember, the fivefold ministry is there to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, which is not, uh, you know, cleaning toilets. The work of the ministry is bringing salvation to the systems of, of this world. All right. Anyway, Glory, I wish you could get a little bit further on that uh, topic. But okay, so we're here. So you can be a business owner, but you want to go into the next level, which is an investor where money is working for you. And then there's, of course, a higher level, which is a philanthropist. So what I always say, in order for you to climb the ladder of financial freedom, the ladder of financial independence, the ladder of uh, economic independence, is you need the mindset of 
Um, there we go with my mind again. I'm a very good mind drawer. The mindset of a business owner. You need those, those uh, no, this is not true. I messed it up. You need the skills of, this is a hand, you need the skills of a business owner. You need the mindset, let me just draw a, a happy head. You need the mindset of an investor. So when you start your business, you start your business as an investor. And you need the heart of a philanthropist. So your heart is not to be greedy, your heart is to be a blessing to the world. So if you have this in place, you will be able to take those steps. And of course, the higher you get, the higher the risk and the higher the return. And it's very easy. You can just see where you are and now you know what the next step is. And God wants you to take the next step. I don't, I'm not gonna, even going to make it a, a long evening. I'm just going to, you know, um, do some, some interesting things and, uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. You know, in order for you to climb higher and higher and higher, there's one thing very important, and I already mentioned it, but we're going to do a little exercise. Did anybody bring their phone? Of course, you left it at the door, but take out your phone. This is the first pastor that says, take out your phone. And no, I'm not going to promote the app. Don't worry. No, no, no. <laughs> I want you, and you need to just do what I tell you, because I'm under the anointing, and so you know, you need to take a selfie of yourself. I know you love doing that, and you can erase it, but just take a selfie. All right. Like that one. <laughs> I think you take one every day. You go, good morning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, did everybody take a selfie? Show your selfie to somebody else and, and, and just, and just, okay, okay, now I want you to, I will tell a little story. There, I've done this, this exercise with many, uh, many uh, business owners and, uh, and groups that I was, was coaching. And uh, you were mentioning Pastor Poe. Um, um, you know, he passed away, but he was a good friend of mine. He had a, a large church in Tampa, Florida. And, uh, you know, he, had, he owned his own plane. And he was just one of those. He was one of the first seven church members of Pastor Creflo Dollar's church. And uh, so... He was with us, and I did a seminar together with him. I traveled all over the world doing business seminars with him. And, uh, but the first time we did this exercise was, was in our church uh, at, a, at, a, at a meeting with our businessman. And, um, you know, he just took this picture, and he went around showing everybody. And he said, look at this. Isn't this amazing? Look at this picture. I remember, remember he had this magazine with his picture in front of it. And he was just saying, man, this magazine. You know, he was so excited about his own picture. And um, this, this is when God started to, to uh, reveal to me that in order for you to climb this ladder of financial independence, you need to have a healthy sense of self-worth. And I could just tell, I, I, I like the worship leader, he was showing his picture to several people. That blesses my heart because, you know, instead of going like, well, you know, I, I noticed some other people, I won't, you know, I won't embarrass you, but some other people were showing it and pulling it back. Some people were laughing at their own picture. Just, you know, just... 
take a moment to go back to the moment. What did you think about your picture? I mean, it doesn't matter how weird you look. You know, does anybody know this, this app, Be Real? Anybody know? So, you know, you need, when, it, when, when, when it pops up, you need to take a picture. So our family does that. And uh, my wife always says, you know, make sure you look a little bit better on those pictures. I care less. I look beautiful. This is how God made me. I mean, he made me with a chin like this, or he made me this, or I look pale, or I look, or my hair sticks out. I don't care. But if my wife didn't fix me, I mean, I would be a mess, and I would just, so. But anyway, so, you know, a healthy sense of self-worth, that's where it all starts. We cannot underestimate uh, our inner convictions, you need to know that you are so extremely valuable to God. That's why He wants to provide in your life. And He has entrusted you with a talent, with a gift, with uh, experience in this life that is worth millions. And uh, I was telling Pastor, you know, I've helped many people generate millions in their lives. And most of those people were not the ones that went through an MBA degree. Most of those people you know, had very too little uh, in the natural that would qualify them for becoming very rich. And that's how the kingdom works. God loves to take all the credit. And, uh, all right, so um, let's just wrap it up with something that, that's very easy to understand. So if you, if you want to climb this, this ladder to, and you, you want to get higher and higher, you, you can start being a philanthropist Today, that's the good thing about church. Church trains you to have the heart of a philanthropist. But the, prob the problem is we see ourselves as, as just somebody down here, just contributing our little, you know, uh, five pennies. So we just do our obligation. But God just says, every Sunday I'm training you. Is it time for the second offering yet? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So... Let's train the philanthropist. <laughs> you want to train the philanthropist in you? You know, we meditate on that you are God's masterpiece and you're created in Christ Jesus. Do you understand that the, the version of, in you, that's a new creation, he's a multi-billionaire. You just need to connect with that person on the inside of you. You need to learn to think that way. You need to, to, to how you behave, how you value yourself, how you position yourself, how you promote yourself, how you conduct yourself as this multi-billionaire that's on the inside of you, right? But anyway, so, so we need to take those steps up. And the hardest step is to go from self-employed to business owner. It's, I mean, going from employee at a certain moment, you get fed up that your boss is making twice the amount of money that, that you're getting on your, in your paycheck. So you go like, hey, you know, I don't care about my retirement payment and, and all the, you know, all the, all the insurance and all the, the benefits that I'm, I'm just going to go and, 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 and get self-employed. That's just something you just need guts and you need to do it. You need to trust God and go. And then you experience a lot more freedom, but at a certain moment, the, the, the excess cash does not really uh, give you satisfaction. Then you go like, hey, it's time to go to a concept. I want to be the next um, Colonel Saunders who starts a KFC. And I want to find my recipe in life that's going to be eaten by all the people. But then, you know, so you want to become a business owner. This is actually what they call going through the eye of the needle. Not in the, not in the Bible, they call that in the secular world, going through the eye of the needle. Because this is what the rich young ruler was self-employed. He was rich, 
he had people working for him, but he was not a team player. He didn't have a mission. He was not really rich because he was afraid if he gave away his money that he could not regenerate the wealth. So he was not really wealthy in his thinking. So in order for you to be at this level, you need to have the mindset of an investor, knowing that money is working for you, knowing that things will come your way. And then, you know, you can do like Jesus, because Jesus exemplified the steps to being a business owner. Let's, I'll, I'll finish with the seven steps. It's going to be really quick. Just, uh, we have seven more minutes, and then in those seven minutes, God is just going to give you, and, 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 and you're going to download what you need to think like a business owner. And uh, like I said this morning, if you go from a tulip bulb to a tulip, it can happen in a day, it can happen in a week, it can happen in a year, but it will happen eventually. Don't um, speed up the process, just let it happen. So if you want to be, uh, become a business owner or an investor or a philanthropist, if you want to climb the ladder of financial freedom, just let it happen. Things, you know, if you meditate on it, if you, like Pastor said, if you see the stars and the sand, you know, like, you know, there's more for me, then the opportunities will come and you will recognize them. It's interesting that as soon as you are reprogrammed, you enter the same life and all of a sudden you see new opportunities. You know, like if, if, if I walk with a friend and we see a, a building that's, you know, uh, um, desolated, what do you call it? I see an investment opportunity. He sees a lot of work. He goes, man, what a terrible mess. I go, wow, that's a great... So we look at the same uh, things, but we have a different, uh, different perspective. So you will walk out of this, uh, this place because you've been at the bottom of the ladder of, of Jacob. Some angels will visit you. You have gotten some downloads. You've been reprogrammed. You know you're the workmanship of God. He's prepared works for you that you just need to walk in. And these, work, these works are in alignment with your design they prevent you from, from becoming sick because now you're becoming sick because you're doing something that you're not created to do. You're just following the steps of this world and the world system. But God has called you to come out of this world system so he can bless you. And he can, you know, like um, my son was talking to somebody that said, yeah, I want to be a blessing. I want to become rich so I can be a blessing to the kingdom. And my son said, no, I want to be rich so other people see that it works the way the kingdom has has, has shown me how the principles work. You know, there's so many other... Uh, there's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. But I just want uh, uh, sowing into the kingdom. That's just... When you're a wise investor, you recognize the opportunity. You go like, well, this is an opportunity I should sow in. If you recognize the opportunities that come in church or that come in, you know, that God tells you, you need to sow into this, He will also tell you, you need to sow into this business opportunity. It's the same spirit. But many people hear it when the pastor says, you need to sow today. This is good ground. This is going to change your life. Oh yeah, here's my money. And then you walk out and there's this awesome uh, business opportunity. And the same spirit of God is saying, you need to invest, to invest in this. But since your pastor is not holding your hand, you don't hear from heaven. I'm, I'm serious. Because you're going to hear the same Spirit of God. And you're going to have that same unction. 
You can, I started a business. I mean, this is probably going to be the most profitable business ever. And it felt like being in a church service and being drunk in the Holy Ghost and just doing something crazy, like calling out somebody or running around. So I had a guy call me and he said, you know, I said, why don't you start this kind of business? He said, well, I don't know. I said, what if I help you? Yeah, I'd start, I would start that kind of business. I said, well, let's do it. Just, you know, I've... <laughs> For, for about a, a year after I, I, I said yes to this opportunity, I thought I missed God. But recently God showed me, hey, this was just a Holy Ghost moment. It is, that's why church is just to prepare you for life. Church is not life. I mean, it's awesome when a pastor applauds this because he recognizes, you know, this is not it. This is the training ground. This is warming up for this week. Amen. Amen. This is not where you score the goal. This is not where you get the glory. It happens tomorrow. So you better be prepared to hear the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we're sending you off for all charged to recognize business opportunities. To walk in your design. To be that person that knows that I am his masterpiece. Hallelujah. So step number one is, uh, and I call this, this uh, I don't even know how I call this, this doing business like Jesus. I believe that's what I call this. And uh, it's just being fully convinced that there is an assignment for your life. That's the Ephesians 2.10. That's, that's what we meditated on. I mean, uh, when you do a lot of meditation... I know why I don't want to preach on scriptures, because I think it is just um, disrespectful to go to the next step when I just touched on Ephesians 2.10, which is such a life-changing uh, uh, tulip bulb that, can, that, that should be planted in your heart. I find it hard to just move on. You are his workmanship. You are his poema. You are... Everything rhymes in your life. Everything is just perfect. When you're in the place where you're supposed to be, it's like, hey, I mean, I'm not doing this tonight. This has already been prepared before the foundation of the world. I'm just walking in this. I'm actually enjoying this. It might not look like I'm enjoying, but I'm enjoying this. This doesn't cost me any energy. And uh, because I am in alignment and it's taken me a long time to get in alignment. And that's why the signs that I was talking about this morning, I missed the science. Not the signs, but, well, you know, that's just Dutch pronunciation. This, the S-I-G-N-S. I missed the signs. You know, sometimes I, 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 I was enjoying doing uh, entrepreneurial stuff so much. But then it was Friday, and Friday was my church day. I was like, oh. Yeah, church day. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you that I'm called to be pastor of this, this ever-decreasing ever church. And uh, <laughs> Oh, glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, step two. So you got it. There's a, there's, a, there's a plan for your life. And step two is Jesus knew there was a plan for his life. You know, destiny was in his, in his DNA. And then he prepared himself thoroughly. 
You know, at the age of 12, he was already asking all these questions about his destiny. So you know, when you know there is this awesome plan, you're going to prepare. You're going to be thorough. You're not going to say, well, you know, whatever will be, we'll find out. If God really wants to use me, then um, he'll use my talent. No. I mean, like, you know, uh, Pastor Joel needs to train his, his um, I don't well, he needs to train his youngest daughter to to shoot with two legs, with you know, with her left. Are you left-footed or right-footed? You, you know, next time I come, I'm going to ask you, are you left or right-footed? You say, I'm both-footed. You know, hey, God, I developed my talent. Just, you know, just like David Beckham's father did. And uh, nobody seems to know David Beckham in this place, but... Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not a book in the Bible, not even in the NIV translation. So. so he focused on his purpose. He prepared and he knew, I need to be about my father's business. You need to be about your father's business, your heavenly father's business. He's got a business and you have, you know, you have one of his, his businesses that you need to run for him. The third one is... Then, you know, because we're talking about, I believe you need to be at this level. Wherever you, you know, whatever you do, you need to function like a business owner. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus did not start self-employed. Because, uh, well, maybe he did a little while self-employed when, uh, when he got baptized uh, by John the Baptist. He was pretty much on his, on his own. But the first thing he did was he went into the mountain and he prayed. And what did he pray for? <laughs> I love preaching new themes that even, uh, you know, that even a church that knows the Bible from, from back to end, from, from front to end, doesn't know what I'm referring to. He was praying for his disciples. That's the first time we find him praying. And then he came down from the mountain and he knew exactly whom to choose. So the first thing you do is say, Lord, give me a team. You need to be thinking about a team. You don't have a team, you're part of a team. That's what the rich young ruler, Jesus said, come, follow me, be part of my team. And uh, so you're going to think about your team, you pray about your team, because your team is what's going to help you to fulfill your destiny. And uh, um, Luke 6, verse 12, you don't need to go there, that's where you find Jesus praying for his team. And then the fourth step was... And, and um, this might sound funny, but I'm convinced that this is a, a deep, profound truth. He hired an accountant. He had an accountant in his team. A lot of business owners have no understanding of finances, but still they do it themselves. You know why? Because it saves them money. That shows you that they have no understanding of money. Because they're doing something that they're not skillful Add that they have no talent for, which is the essence of your business. So you have no clue what's happening financially in your business, but you save a lot of money by not hiring somebody to do the finances for you. So you miss the tax breaks, you don't know how to really find out when it's time for you to make the next move or do an investment because, you know, you're just looking at your bank account and pray God for a blessing. So finances are very central. And you say, well, he hired the wrong accountant. Well, 
he's very <laughs> apparently you know it is better to hire an accountant that is not even trustworthy than to hire no accountant that's something we learn that's why i have an accountancy company in holland but we don't call it judas accountancy there's um <clears throat> but I've, you know, this is a revelation I can take home. If somebody complains about us, I said, hey, Jesus hired somebody that he couldn't trust, so... <laughs> and he didn't complain. And, uh, but anyway, <clears throat> so the fifth step is he took three years to train his team. You know, he, he, did some, he evaluated them on the job. He took Peter aside. He took John aside. He really trained the team for three years. When I started my uh, accountancy company, com uh, uh, God said to me, follow these steps. So I told my team, within three years, um, you're going to be able to do this business without me. And to the date, I mean, this is also maybe a little bit, uh, I, I forced this maybe, but to the, the, exactly three years after I, I started the business, we had a meeting and I said, okay, I, I put an act through me and I said, no. The business is all yours and um, unfortunately there's been some times later that I had to come back and fix some stuff but uh, I think Jesus sometimes looks at us and goes like man I better come back and fix some stuff so he took three years to implement the mission to build their character to to uh, empower them with with the skills and and and, and help them to understand uh, what his uh, purpose was and then the sixth step was he left and uh, but came back for some more instruction but more importantly he always from the very beginning announced that one day he was gonna leave they didn't understand what he was saying but later on they understood he had been talking about uh, his mission was just a three-year period and then he would leave them you know, you need to have your exit very clear when you're working with your team. Otherwise, your team gets frustrated when all of a sudden you say, Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. You guys just take it over and, and I'm just going to have a management fee every month. And No, they need to know what your plan is from the very beginning. And you need to prepare them. And then the seventh step is that he poured out his spirit in the team. I believe you can come to the place where your business, the only thing you still need to do is pour your spirit, pour your mission, your purpose, uh, your character, your values, pour them in the team. But the team knows how to multiply the impact. Because remember, Jesus didn't have the impact that his disciples had. So, you know, your, your business, you build the business, but it will only multiply when your team is in position and you just supply them with your spirit isn't that exciting that jesus just gave us the entire blueprint and um, i will honestly finish i'm well you're hungry enough to stay two more minutes right so here's we're going to do four scriptures in two minutes proverbs 20 verse 5 I don't care if any translation is good enough, but this is just, I'm going to leave you with this. 
Proverbs chapter 20 verse 5 says. I need this prophetic because I don't. Uh, are you guys okay or you have no Proverbs? <laughs> Counsel in the heart of a man is like water in a deep well, but a man of understanding draws it out. The word counsel is just a plan, a business plan. So let's say there's a business plan in your heart and a man of understanding will be able to draw it out. Let's go to uh, Proverbs 21 verse 5. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but one of everyone that is hasty only to want. Basically, what these scriptures are saying is there's a plan in you. There's a business plan. There's counsel in you. You just need to know how to draw it out. And then it says the thoughts, the Hebrews also refers to the same thing, the plans. Oh, here. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. But those of everyone who is hasty will surely lead to poverty. So the answer is a plan. God wants to give you a plan. If you have no plan and you go uh, in haste, you're going to surely go bankrupt and make a mess of everything. But if you have a solid plan and you consult with people around you, pray about it and ask people, what do you think about the plan? you will find out that God will give you the plan for your business. So that's the next step. Just come up with a plan. I know this is something you don't want to hear. You just want to go, oh, glory, hallelujah, I see a business opportunity. Let's go, let's do it. And then, you know, you just find somebody on the street who has the same passion and you're going to go. No. And the plan doesn't need to be like the plan that, that, that a bank requires, but it needs to be a plan that somebody else that is not Holy Ghost filled, that is not full of the spirit of faith, that is not going through life with uh, the Lord leads and the Lord does this, but just somebody that is sober-minded, and I prefer somebody to be a non-believer, if you give them the plan, they go, wow, that is a good plan. The proof of wisdom is recognized by the world. If you need to convince somebody, well, I know it looks a bit weird, but the Lord really showed me that it's going to be awesome. Well, <laughs> okay, so, and then I have my finishing scripture. Maybe that's not the most exciting scripture to finish with, but it's 1 Corinthians 7, verse 21. But I think that is just a little remnant of me being a pastor for too long. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 21. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. Well, let's be honest. If you compare the biblical days with today, a slave is just somebody that was employed uh, by a lord, by somebody that said, you need to work for me. So we can compare. I mean, I, I know, it's, I know it's, it's, it might be sensitive, but if you have a, a job, I mean, I could have just put in here slave, <laughs> but hey, 
<laughs> More people would have left by now. <laughs> but what the Bible really says is, if you were called while having a good job or a job that you like, hey, that's perfectly fine. Remember, if you're a business owner, you need people that are called to be an employee, right? And I've made the mistake in the past to tell everybody you need to become a business owner. Some people are just not called to be a business owner. By the way, some of those are called to be an employee, but God will bless them, and they will end up being investors and philanthropists anyhow. But there's no pressure for it. So this scripture is so perfect. It just says, were you called while being a slave? Were you called, uh, were you, did you become a Christian and you had a, a, a normal job? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, the Bible calls it freedom, use it. If you sense in your spirit, hey, I want to be free. I want to I, I climb that ladder. I want to be self-employed. I want to start a business. I want to be an investor. God will give you the opportunity. And you will use the opportunity that comes. And I'm speaking that into existence because the kingdom is voice activated. Opportunities will come your way. And your radar is now turned on. And you will recognize them. And you will have the sound wisdom to come with up with a plan. And God will connect the right people into your life. And you will think as a team player. And you will do kingdom business. And it will be so exciting. And you know there are even some people that, have did, that had this false uh, desire to be in ministry. But somehow it never worked out. Don't be ashamed. Just like God called me out of being a pastor into the entrepreneurial arena. God has, has a calling for you that is way better than doing something in, in, in ministry. Just embrace it and enjoy it. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for allowing me in your pulpit, Pastor. And... Uh, you just have a, a blessed trip to India and uh, shake that nation and uh, build your team. I'm excited. Here's one more thing. Your online, uh, your YouTube subscribers, just, I was number 1,000. So you went from 996 when I arrived, but now we have 1K followers. And this, this is exciting. So now we will talk in thousands. So now we're, we're going to go to 2K, 3K, 4K subscribers. And, you know, I, I really believe in the YouTube. Too. I know you're doing a lot with the Facebook, but it's just we're going to find out what God is going to do. But uh, I was excited to press and, and see it go from 999 to 1K. We're never going to go back to the numbers. We're going to go to the Ks. Amen. All right. Be blessed. Come on, let's give it up. Let's show our appreciation. That's awesome. Yeah, you can stand up. Awesome, awesome, awesome. On behalf of the church, we want to say thank you so much to uh, the entire family for, for coming. This is so important because we, we've got uh, the spirit of wisdom on the inside of us. There was a man in Ecclesiastes 9.15. It says he had the wisdom to win a city but he was despised, his, his wisdom wasn't heard because of his poverty. We've got more wisdom to not just win one city, but to win this nation and nations. But we will not be heard, we'll be despised without prosperity. So this is really, really key. Um, I really believe as, as pastor, we believe with you.
that God will drop uh, thoughts. I remember the Lord said to us, and this was right before, the Lord actually gave us a seven-year, this was in September uh, 2018, a seven-year plan, and every year has come to, every year it's been exactly to that plan that the Lord revealed. And right before he gave it to us, he talked to us about a thought. I'll give, I'll, I'll give you a thought, like I give everyone thoughts. This is how I heard it. And I'm just ending with this, because I believe God's going to drop things. I give, I give my thoughts to people, but the problem is they don't meditate long enough on those thoughts I give until those thoughts turn into a vision. And when they act on that vision, that's when that vision becomes a living, breathing reality. And in the process of that thought turning into a vision, there is is meditation on that. And then the Lord will give you specifics, vision, plans. And when you act on it, I'm telling you, it will yield a lot. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the impartations of your spirit, the wisdom. We are so grateful. We are excited. We're going to see see it come to pass. Amen.